J- Joe, can we agree that we're going to take the racing snail by the and reins? Going to take the racing snail by the reins and not feed it cocaine? I don't know where to go with that, but because that's definitely what he fed that snail. Sugar cubes, come on, that was Dan! Big ass sugar cube. Well, it's a big ass snail. <laughs> All right, let's let's take this snail by the reins, boys. Ken. I'm Joe. I'm I'm, I'm hello. <laughs> oh, guys. Dan, who are you? I'm Dan. <laughs> yeah, and we're the Rewinders, rewinding movies to see if they still hold up. And this time, we plucked the gooey innards of Fantasia out of the movie The Neverending Story, but we kind of held off on having our full portions till this week. The Neverending Story Part Two. I've had the taste in my mouth for for weeks now. And I'm ready. I want the I want the course. I want the whole meal. <laughs> so, what we did last time was we mainly talked about what happens outside of the world of Fantasia in the film Neverending Story. So this time, we're going to focus on what happens inside the world of Fantasia in the Neverending Story, gentlemen. Why does the rock monster have a bicycle? Uh, he's got the Segway. It's, it's a bicycle. A, it's a bicycle. It's really, I feel like it's, it's a, a Segway. Bicycle thing. steamroller. I only saw, ever saw I one hate I hate wheel. It. It's like one of those like push bikes. It doesn't pedal. Like he's sitting on it and just pushing it with his feet. A scooter? Yeah. Oh, he's got man. himself a razor. It's like those training bikes for tiny children now. Oh. They don't have actual gear okay. systems. I know it's what you're just, talking about. It's just two wheels on a frame. Yeah, no pedals. It makes it more believable, I guess, then. I always thought that was weird that the rock monster has a bicycle, but everyone else is stuck in this nebulous fantasy world without technology. Yeah, it's like that one crazy character with a motorcycle and everybody else has, like, horses. And no one cares. Like, everyone accepts it. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's like, how does your rock motorcycle thing powered, man? Like that cheat from, uh... Empire, uh, Age of Empires, where you could you could get the car. Uh, okay. How many guys played Age of Age of Empires? You mean like the real time strategy game? Yeah. Nope. You could you could enter a cheat, and it would give you I forget. It was like a car with guns. Nice twisted metal. Sh- I, I never played Age of Empires or whatever. It was a Shelby Cobra that you could get. So Dan, what else can you get in that game? Uh that no, that's that was the connection that I was getting. Is that Age of Empires was a you know medieval sort of fantasy and you could enter a cheat and be the one person driving a you know so it's like kind of like ash williams having a shotgun or a rifle yeah in i guess i could have done that instead but that's age of empires is where my brain went i don't know i'm sorry guys i i failed <laughs> <laughs> dare you not use the opportunity to talk about army of darkness when you have the opportunity all right. Where were we before I totally derailed this this conversation? What are what are some of the things about the world of Fantasia uh, that everyone kind of liked? I I know that seems weird because Fantasia is a little generic, but there there's some things. Um, can we talk about? There's a lot of things. It's the art style that was used to create the darkness. I had to Google this, and I'm really excited about it. What do you What do you mean by the, the darkness, darkness or the nothing? That the band. darkness is the band from the mid 2000s. I believe in a thing. Or like not the that. darkness, the nothing. <laughs> I meant the I meant the nothing. I'm sorry, guys. Oh man, I thought you referred okay. to the darkness. Okay, never mind. No. Are you talking about the clouds? The clouds. Ah. Yeah. That is. It's called sum, suminagashi, floating ink. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just ink injected into water, and they just filmed it with lights on it. It's oh, it's so cool. Yeah, I I uh, I did some deep dive while I was watching the watching Fanta- or watching the movie, and uh, yeah, it's it's super cool, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to do it, but I'm I'm also super lazy <laughs> and don't want to have to buy a bunch of stuff to be able to do it. I think you can be grounded, kid. It should be noted that the uh, clouds were not meant to be the non- nothing; they were meant to signify that the nothing was coming well because the clouds are something yeah well i always see when i was growing up there was a lot of storms where you could see really cool cloud structures and movement and stuff like that that art form that they used to create these clouds in the movie 
definitely portrayed that churning cloud-like action before a storm hits. Absolutely. And it does a great job of being foreboding and very beautiful. I always liked that part of the movie. Yeah, it was definitely gorgeous. Then you put the song over the top of it. Oh, yeah. I just I have three three giant words on my notes list all underlined of just dat theme song. <laughs> all I wrote. It survived the time, man. Oh, it I has. don't know. It's 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 still catchy. It's extremely catchy. It has more oomph than most children's movies that I remember from the time there. Just just damn, this thing lives on. Well, you could say it's never ending. And it's very eighties too. That song is very eighties. Mm-hmm. You sure about that? Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty eighties. Yeah. But somehow it still sounds good. I like it. That's that's my bias, I think. <laughs> it's a reasonable bias, because you're pretty correct. Mm. Not just that opening song, though, but I think the music through the whole movie, especially during the Fantasia sections, yes. is really good. I, I particularly like the song where we're going into the uh, the, the tower for the first time. Like it's It's good. Really lasting, impressionable songs. Interesting fact on this part, uh, two different composers. I believe the American version has all the uh, techno pop stuff. Otherwise, there's just one other composer who had the uh, the entirety of the rest of the movie where you don't actually recognize the or recognize that there is music, which is you know what I think of as if it's if it's a good audio mix in there, you just it's not extra. It's just there. It's just part of the movie. I don't know how to say this proper. No, it fits. You don't think about it. It's like good editing. Yeah. You don't think about it when you got good editing. Exactly. Oddly enough, this movie has, it's a fantasy movie with that, as you called it, like a techno pop or synth pop tra- soundtrack. And it works. Meanwhile, you also have another fantasy movie, again, in the 80s. I can't remember exactly what the date was for it, but Legend. And they fought against their synth pop soundtrack for that movie and had it uh, reverted for uh, the I believe it was for the European release and the US release still has the Tangerine Dream soundtrack I think that's the way it went or someone or the US reversed it and said no Tangerine Dream I don't remember how it went still not seen that movie oh it's good neither I've always wanted to never got around to it I'm in the same boat get to it (laughs) Eventually, we don't have to do it right now because this has been a fantasy movie. Because we're doing legend, never-ending yeah, story right now. Yeah. Got '80s movies up the wazoo. I, I just relived another '80s movie I haven't seen since I was like five or six. I watched "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead" last night. The only thing I I remember about that that movie was uh, advertised relentlessly as a ki- yes. when I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I remember about the advertisements because I didn't actually watch the movie is uh, them shooting skeet with uh, dishes. Yep. yep. Oh, but now I'm just thinking. Now I'm just thinking skeet surfing. Every time I hear the word skeet, damn it. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to it when we do uh, Top Secret. What the hell's Top Secret? Val Kilmer. I thought you were talking about the surfing scene from uh, Escape from L.A. Oh yeah, yeah, that should be one too. Dan's favorite movie. He's got to see L.A. if he saw New York. <laughs> it only gets better. L.A. is by far worse than New York. It's like you thought New York was bad. <laughs> L.A. is just. It is unbelievably bad. <laughs> Buckle up in your 1950s car and get ready for, uh, what's his name, to drive Steve you off Buscemi the cliff. Steve Buscemi as he, as he twerks his arms all, all over-exaggeratingly back and forth with the wheel <laughs> as he's driving in a straight line. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so inside Fantasia. Yeah, I, I really like that swamp thing. That swamp's yeah. really nice. There's a lot of stuff. The thing that they used in the swamp area that i enjoy is tightness of the sets and using that tightness to heighten the i'm gonna say reality of the set because it's not real and it's a fantasy it's not so it's okay for it to not look real kind of vibe another film that has used that in more modern times was Sleepy Hollow, Mm. where they purposely shot on these really tight sound stages to make everything not look real, but very interesting. And that's how I feel about these swamp sequences, is just that it's a tight sound stage, 
and they're controlling what you can and can't see and it's just it amplifies that it's not real but it's also very interesting mm-hmm. plus a giant goddamn turtle you say that i i have a feeling that they also had to keep it small just based on the fact that it was already the most exp- expensive movie to come out of i think europe at the time yeah. mm. and also the mud that they used for the swamp came from a riverbank nearby and it was uh, infested with mosquito larvae. Oh no. So they had to, the, the, the soundstage was evacuated for a, a little bit of time to take care of that. Oh, problem. that's awful. I mean, I guess it could be, it could have been worse. Like it could have been like, you know, a nest for like a skin eating parasite or something. Could always be worse. Or it could be a show about giant water slides that gives everyone diarrhea, explosive diarrhea. Mm. Thanks, NBC. Making them even more water spied slides? I don't remember the name of the show, but it's not out yet. And like half the crew got explosive diarrhea from working with the water. Oh, in the show. oh this is a real this thing. This is a real thing and it's recent. <laughs> Oh, that's that's bad. Chocolate waterfalls, chocolate water slides. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's so bad. Oh my! Did you guys have an opinion of uh, what's her name, Moira, the giant turtle, when you were a kid? She was grouchy. I loved the she turtle. She was grouchy. I still love the turtle as an adult. I do not, as a child or as an adult, like the sneezing. I, yeah, <laughs> I like it because it reminds me of Jurassic Park with the Brachiosaurus scene. It, it makes me giggle. It definitely was one of those cases where, as a kid, I didn't have an understanding of, I'm going to say, adult logic. So this giant turtle that's like, oh, this is the most wise being in the universe, is so put out by everything and doesn't care about anything. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense to me as a kid. And I was, you know, it helped me connect to Atreyu a little bit in the fact of like I don't understand this is supposed to be the wisest being what's going on honestly I think maybe this uh movie influenced me a little bit more than it should have because it taught me that being old means you have to be apathetic (laughs) (laughs) but yeah as an adult though you can totally get the angle this is like seriously old turtle like the oldest living creature on Fantasia and the wisest creature on fantasia and it's like oh it's my time i guess it's my time yeah how am i gonna stop this well you can but you can't well why can't i it's like well that's way over there you physically cannot make it there eh give up (laughs) i'd say let's hang out together but i'm allergic to you get the hell out of here so i can enjoy my last moments in peace you know and by last moments i mean sleeping under the mud yeah yeah why not until you become nothing it doesn't sound so bad probably not very painful (laughs) It shouldn't be. Pain is something. Yeah, this is nothing. Yeah. Again, a concept as a child I could not really comprehend, and it was too nebulous for me at the time. But that turtle, though, brings me into something that I realized in this viewing that I really enjoy about a lot of the characters in Fantasia is that they're all nihilists. (laughs) They... Don't care. I had a different form of nihilist in my mind. I just watched, rewatched The Big Lebowski for the first time in years. The other yeah. Week. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not Germans. Well, technically, <laughs> technically they're written yes. by Germans. Wait so. a they're, they're figments of German oh imagination. My. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's an interesting take because all these, I, and I hate for any other, I call them NPCs in my head. All the NPCs of the movie are all like, yeah... I don't care. Yeah, everything's dying. What are you going to do? It kind of has this, like, the only people that care are Sebastian reading the show of the movie, sorry, the book, and Atreyu, who's tasked with going to save everything. At a certain point in the movie, all the people who care are gone except for those two. How many times has the turtle, like, been taken by the nothing? Because Fantasia only lives as the book is being read parallel universes dan it's not the same creature since it's someone else's imagination being fired up when they read the book it's a parallel universe or is it a continued universe mm. I like does I, everything in this book exist because the last guy built it this way and then it's up to bastion to continue this and then 
what happens to the because that's what I always assumed is that this is a continuation of the old guy. And so what is, you know, what happens after if if he doesn't give Moonchild the name, what happens? The book just ends and then does it disintegrate? Does it die? Good question. Fantasia would for the reader at that point, yes. And since the reader is part the of reader, the story yeah. at the that book, point, the story would away. end. Does the reader die? <laughs> no, just the, the universe, the the universe that Fantasia's in just ceases to be. Until another person picks up the book and starts reading it again. Or the same person picks it up and starts reading it again. Do they just see blank pages? No. Does the book offer them writing prompts? <laughs> What happens if you flip to the end of the book to see how many, like, to see how the book ends? And Ken, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this. This is gonna melt your brain. All books are writing prompts for the reader because they don't give you all the details. You fill oh, them in. I need to read more. I like to think that the Fantasia's universe begins and ends with the book. So when people pick it up, pick up the book and begin reading. The universe begins at the end of the universe. So, like, you're reading and you find out that the land of Fantasia is being destroyed by nothing. So the characters in this universe are just constantly in a loop of the last, like, week of their universe. And that's why they're so just, like, nothing matters. That's God, this is the fifth person to read this book this week. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like like a Westworld-esque adventure land that gets reset every time. (laughs) Yep. But honestly, like, the way that those people are reacting, really more react is, like, how Bastion feels about how everyone else feels about his point of view in the world. His dad was pretty apathetic about his feelings about his mother's death. His dad says, yeah, you have those feelings. Fuck you for having those feelings. You need to be over here. That's kind of what's happening with the, every character in the book, as you're saying. Like, yes. every book in the character is like, why Why are you caring? You need to be, you need to just not care about that. This is what's happening over here. And I'll I'll say, because uh, we're, we're at that point now, the conversation hit there. As an adult, this movie is, is not just what the films and the story of the never ending story say it is because Mork at uh, the three quarters part of the movie says, or someone, I can't remember who says it, that when people stop uh, using their imagination and caring, so it doesn't matter if you're in the act of reading the book or not, when you just forget about it and move on with your life, then yes, that world starts falling apart because people aren't thinking about it. They're not actively engaging their imagination to envision that world, to live in that world, to to remember Atreyu and his losing his horse in the swamp. So that just ceases to exist. So that's kind of that. That's the surfacey portion of Fantasia. The non-surfacey for portion of Fantasia that I started ingesting this time was the general fact of when you go and start reading a book, you apply your history, your way you view the world, and your experience in the world we're in to that novel because you're not being spoon-fed every single tiny detail. So every time the novel leaves something out, you fill it in. And, for instance, in the never-ending story, they sent for Atreyu, and they said, he's their best warrior. He's from the Plains people. And the movie disengages from the never uh, from Fantasia at that point, goes back to Sebastian. Sebastian looks at his, uh, I think his lunchbox or something like that. Yeah. And it has a Native American hunter going after a buffalo. Yep. Oh, it's the back of his backpack. He's got a patch. Yeah. And so he applies that idea and experience of his own world onto Fantasia, which creates Atreyu to resemble, in a way, a whitewashed version of a Native American. So the last person to read that book might not have Atreyu that is like that. And of course, Atreyu is a child in this version of Fantasia because a child is reading the novel. I guess maybe that's a stretch because they do say explicitly in in their voice lines that you're just a child, get the hell out of here. (laughs) Right. Well, that's because, you know, Bastion feels ignored and everything. That's Bastion putting his feelings into the book. You know, he's 
he's been told you're just a child. You have to do what you're being told. You don't get to have any sort of governance over your own life, which is basically what those people are saying. Go back to your people. Grow up a little bit before you actually think you can help something. That and the world is falling apart because his world is falling apart without his mother. And the only way to put it back together again is I sort of the roundabout sequence of accepting his grief and getting working through his grief for his mother through this novel. It's not in any like specific oh, this is the grief process. It doesn't do it like from A to B exactly. It kind of zigzags around. But this movie does use the fantasy world of Fantasia to draw out the character Sebastian's grief trip. Um, Not trip, but his advancement through his process of grieving for his mother. Yeah. Um, And uh, people are always so surprised when they uh, go back and watch the movie. They're like, man, I can't believe that Artax died so quickly in the book. And you're like, well... In order to really get you to where Bastion is so he can get over this grief, that has to happen pretty quickly. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I, think I was surprised at how quick Artax died. It was like, wait, right away? <laughs> it makes sense it now. 30 minutes into the movie, not right away. It feels like it's so quick. He's, they spent a lot of time in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> well, like two storms went through before that happened, I think, or something. <laughs> I don't remember. I just was very impressed with how... It's stitched together for adults as well as kids. Because I remember seeing it as a kid and not picking up on all this grief, depression, and all this other stuff because I had no frame of reference for it. But now as an adult who has experience with grief and depression, yay, you can spot it a mile away. (laughs) Be like, yes, that's what that is. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. So that goes in the good column for me. (laughs) Oh, we're back to good. Okay. <laughs> now, there's some people that I would say, I'm like, if you're tender about some of those kind of things about depression and grief, maybe think twice about going back to watch this one because it'll it'll get you a little bit along the way. Maybe. Maybe it's what you need. And maybe. I don't know. Everyone's different. Correct. Maybe you need to destroy a planet and then wish it back together again. <laughs> Seems subtle. I could do it. I hope I didn't sink everything with that. <laughs> no, no. I, I I agree with that entire that that, that what happened in this, this this entire conversation. Like I can't, I don't, I don't, I can't find anything to disagree with. Like everything seems fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> oh man, didn't even hit on that one on the first one. The adults give bad advice. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that down. Like the guy in the bookstore store told him to fight back with the fight the bullies fight fight the bullies. Like that's not good advice. Well, which he technically eventually does. You have no idea what the bullies are like. His imagination. Power of imagination. Uh, actually, the old man, the the old scientist man, he was trying to give him some good advice, but he just wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. He just ran away. <laughs> what? Atreyu. Atreyu just ran away man. from the little scientist man. He's trying to tell him all the advice and he just ran off. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about Bastion oh. in the real world. It's a very I, I, early note. I'm confused. Note. I thought we were done talking about the real world. Yeah, that's world. where I said, oh man, I, I didn't even hit this one last time. <laughs> Atreyu gets all sorts of good uh, stuff. That's that's true. He, he does get good advice, whereas Bastion gets pretty rough advice from the few sources he has. And if that's all coming from Bastion's head, that means Bastion already knows everything. And that's because he's a kid. <laughs> uh, like, never give up. Good luck will find you. I don't know if that's good advice. I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> good lord, my handwriting's awful. I didn't care for the fact that the nothing had a right-hand wolf that would go killing for it. I agree, but it scared the shit out of me as a child. That wolf was terrifying. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. That was the other time that uh, Noah was injured, fighting that wolf. That's why the fight scene was so short. You got claw across the chest. Whoa. Correct. They threw the f***ing wolf at him. Like, they couldn't use a dummy. They used a dummy wolf, but couldn't use a dummy Noah to make that look... Anyways, yeah, he got injured. That scene is also very interesting to me, too. Even, like, as a kid, because what it's doing is that it's... Here, he's walking into a destroyed, what looks like could be cathedral, and all the murals on the wall are of him 
and his process of trying to fight the nothing. And then, you know, it's like, oh, and now here's this. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, there it is. It's a really neat and I really, as an adult, appreciate how they did the artwork to make it kind of look like church art in all the murals. So it's it's definitely stylized. I always liked that. That was really a neat progression tool. Yeah. Really break Atreyu's mind a little bit. He's been gone for so long that they wrote legends about him. Now, is that true, though? How long has he been gone searching? We don't know. It's never explained. It's never explained. But it's not like he also had a bard writing down all the tales of his travels who told these artisans to create this mural and give them the, you know, details that they used to flesh it out on on the paintings. It's a Pandora's box of, uh, like, how did that work out? Other than the, the world of reality and the world of Fantasia's colliding and... That's kind of like this weird overlap that it kind of breaks a fourth wall and says that it knows it's a story. Yeah. But it does it in a really cool way. And I think at that point, that's what's going on is it's definitely breaking itself away and being like, hey, look, remember how we're a story? Before we become nothing? <laughs> yeah, definitely. A little self-reflection? Yeah. It's almost like a uh, reflection, but also like the uh, movie, the book is trying to fight back a little bit, trying to fight for its own survival. Sure. Being like, hey, remember all these good times we had? We could have more. <laughs> it's, it's getting bashed and, be, bashed and be like, oh, this is really weird. For how underutilized Mork was, I, I think he's a strong character for being in like two scenes. Yeah, strong, interesting. Uh, I was, you know, I'm always a fan of uh, people who futz with contraptions, and that's exactly what he did. He futzed with contraptions, so definitely a uh, interesting character for me. What do you mean, futzed with contraptions? Are you talking about the tiny old man? Scientist dude? Isn't that Mork? Mork is the, the wolf is... that was going to kill Atreyu. Oh, was that Mork? Oh, Gamork. Or... Right, okay. I thought it was Morg. No, I had a G. Gamork. No, it's Gamork. Yeah. With that, I had the subtitles on because one thing I don't like about this movie, uh, just in general, movie-wise, the sound for it was very, 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 very quiet. No, sure. For parts of it. And uh, getting caught back up to the, like, so when the dad was talking in the intro, I'd turn the volume way up, and then all of a sudden it's in uh, Fantasia, and it's all f***ing loud and shit. <laughs> oh, and I'd turn it down. There's a lot of volume control required for this movie, so I just turned on the uh, uh, closed captioning and turned the movie down a little bit. So I didn't always hear the way the... What was the scientist's name? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I can okay. do it quickly. I don't know, but he, he has my neat. favorite line in the... To the winch, wench. <laughs> End <of work. laughs> oh, Although his, his one snaggly uh, tooth terrified the crap out of me. Oh, sure, sure. As an adult, it terrifies it's, the crap yeah, out of me. Still I does. do not like it's that snaggly so long. tooth. It's a very long tooth. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> Since we're on the uh, character model distractions, uh, the luck dragon, Falcor, the scales on that always just gross me out. <laughs> I can see really? why. Oh. No, no, no. I get it. Yeah, yes. as a kid, yeah. As an adult, I... There's something very unsettling about that, and I do not like it. Furry puppy things shouldn't have scales. That makes sense. That's kind of weird. It's a dragon. Dragons need scales. Yeah, I understand that they called it a luck dragon, and then like they made it a dog and a dragon. Like, mm, why a dog? Because it's friendly. Why a dragon? Just close your eyes and imagine sleeping next to it, and then waking up and having it wink at you and say you talk in your sleep. I could have that with a dragon. I guess it wouldn't be as fluffy, so I couldn't fly through the mountains and not have to worry about not having sleeves on my shirt. That's a valid critique. <laughs> but he's warm. He's furry. He's, he's, he's luck riddled. If you're riding him, you'd have good luck. You wouldn't have hypothermia because you'd have just that slight chance where you didn't. I imagine he's a furnace just like every other dog. Exactly, exactly. Not cold-blooded like a lizard. It's a dragon. <laughs> Still, I was feeling frozen when he was flying through the old uh, white caps. Yeah, maybe you need to let it go. It looks cool. Wait, what? What? Hmm? Let it go? <laughs> oh, I see. I see what's going on here. You're welcome. Yeah. I don't know. Falcor was <laughs> one of my favorites as a kid. Always I mean, has o- been. Obviously, everyone loves Falcor, except for when he gets weird in the third movie or whatever. <laughs> when he doesn't look like himself, he gets sick. I don't know what you're talking about. It's when he got Botox and yeah. tried to stay young, but rolls out of bed looking like Nick Nolte. <laughs> My goodness. I was, oh, no. <laughs> that was mean, Joe. Sorry. Poor Felcor. 
Fucker didn't deserve that. Oh, um, those the the science dude and the witch wife. <laughs> yes. We we drew a parallel earlier about Princess Bride and this. Yeah, I definitely that, got some pretty heavy uh Billy uh, Crystal and Carol Kane vibes yeah. going. Mm, for sure. Did Princess Bride come out before or after this? After oh, geez. by three years. Oh, then they then During. they then <laughs> at the same they were shooting the same scene in the same studio. They borrowed stages. <laughs> Costumes. <laughs> No, but yeah, they those four are almost identical with how they behave and treat each other. It's just Billy Crystal and Carol Kane are a little bit more wild because that's just the way they are. One, I kind of liked it, and two, I was like, "That's interesting." It's that those kind of characters just work. I don't, I, I don't care. We'll we'll they see do. those kind of characters multiple. They're times. fun. They're definitely fun characters. They uh, break up. A rather serious part of the movie and uh alleviate the kind of anxiety that you might have if he just went straight towards the bosom sphinx and uh give him the guidance but also they do it in a fun way yeah and they introduce some a bit more whimsy into the world which before they laser when you have a fantasy death. world like this it's great yeah you gotta have stakes oh, come on we don't we don't know if Wait, that night really died i mean it's a wagyu his, like, his helmet opens and he's fried. Maybe he's just tired. Yeah, they really they made him into a, an a, Uncle Ben. They fried the steaks. <laughs> but maybe he's just tired. No, he was very dead. And, and Dan, you don't air not fry tired. steaks. You put steaks in a toaster. No, you do not toaster steaks. Well, you could. You could air fry a steak. I've done it. No. It's fine. It is kind of like jerky. Oh, no, you put it in a toaster. more tender. No, air fryer. Toaster. Air fryer. <sighs> You have one. I dare you to do it. An air fryer or a toaster? I will cook steaks in a toaster the next time you. Next time I see you. I will make delicious, juicy steaks in a toaster. No. There are guides on the internet on how to do that. This is a thing people do. Fine. And there are guides of, about the guides saying that you shouldn't do it because it'll cause fires. Don't trust those people. What do they know? Just toast them outside. Fine. I will make steaks and baggies in the dishwasher. I mean, if you're going to do it that way, then I'll just, I'll just sous vide you a steak instead. <laughs> I drain this again guys i'm sorry it's okay so we're, we're at that part in fantasia and we're all dudes since we were all young boys mm-hmm. those sphinxes oh yeah were i don't know about you guys but probably one of the first real like just sit in and see nipples on boobs in an artistic fashion because a lot of times if you see bosoms in children's stuff they usually, you know, edit out the nipple. Here, they're like, have at it, kids. Again, with it being a German film, yes. Because um, nudity, because <laughs> in what? Most uh, European countries, it's it's they, they shy away from violence and more so, more so towards the normalization of nudity. Whereas the United States, nudity, we view it as the most terrible thing to ever put on screen. And yet we can have things like people's you know, being disemboweled on screen or being torn in half and shit, so... Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised it made its way into this film. It's just, yeah, for an American audience, it's just like, being a little kid, it's like... It was it was interesting to me. It was curious. It was the curiosity sort of running rampant. It's like, what are those? What, why does it look like that? What's going on? <laughs> never had that question. Never even, never even noticed. Yeah. Like, I... Thinking about it now, I, I just... I was too young. Sure. It didn't... It was just part of the statue. Yep. It had no connotation to me. I forgot we had conversations about the stand where you uh, were attracted to Littlefoot's mom in The Land Before Time God for some reason. damn it, I fucking hate you. I'm not the shark dude. <laughs> you should marry me. Honestly, it's, I, I didn't dwell on it much as a kid, but when I, as I was growing up, I was like, yeah, that's, they just those, put breasts those are in tits. this movie, huh? Those are very fake tits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they they went and had those installed. They they didn't come naturally that nope, way. Nope, those are bolted on. <laughs> but I guess you know it. You can normalize that kind of stuff and not make it purely carnal sexual stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not in not in the U.S., there's nothing about it that feels sexual. No, because there shouldn't be anything because it's just skin. There, it's their body. It's like whatever. Well, it's not whatever. They obviously had some sort of issue with their own bodies that they felt like they needed to go to the doctors and get them enhanced. And then they start falling apart. Because they, they went to a bad doctor? Oh. But their face was falling off, too. 
That's a real bad yeah. doctor. I will say, as a kid, that was creepy. Yeah, it was. Those... It was very unsettling and creepy to me. Like I, I didn't feel right during that scene. It scared me. It, I, I didn't understand. Like, yeah. I didn't catch it till you know just watching because it's been so long that they're falling apart because the nothing is on like is there and they're becoming nothing. Unlike other characters, which are just like, I'm just going to sit here and let it come. They're the ones that actually cared and encouraged Atreyu on what to do. Tried shooting them. No, those were the first ones. The blue ones <laughs> didn't try shooting them. They're like, oh, dang, you got passed by our sisters. Now we gotta let you... Oh, man. Apparently our second gate is Show a... You this mirror. Is just a joke to you. I don't know. They they made the they made the mirror gate sound like it was supposed to be this like super like dark evilness, and a trade just walks right fucking through it. Yeah, they made it sound like you know swamps of Dagobah levels of scary, like confronting yourself in Star Wars, <laughs> and it's like yeah, he just walks. Through. I was expecting there'd be more. <laughs> Maybe Atreyu didn't have to deal with it that much because Sebastian saw himself in the novel, screamed through the book, and then. I guess Atreo didn't see Sebastian anymore and was like, oh, well, that was weird. Can I walk through this mirror? Oh, hey, I can. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it feels like it was a scene that they were going to film and then ran out of time or production money and just didn't. Yeah, that definitely felt like it was cut down a little or bit. Or it was a bigger idea. And then when they actually filmed it, it was like, that didn't really come out like we thought it would. Maybe. Huh. Like, yeah, Sebastian's already been, uh, or Bastion. Has already been talking a lot and realizing that he's part of the movie. Let's just, you know, let's just glaze over this. Like, it, it just, it's fine. But it's time for Atreo to know, know who he really is. He's just some kid in a terrible sweater in an attic. Screaming at literature. Very nice attic. Screaming at literature. <laughs> <laughs> and eating shitty sandwiches. I remember all those nights I spent yelling at books. You know, one thing that really stood out to me, and this is... I apologize going back to the real world, but uh, speaking of Bastion, speaking of him reading and all that stuff, as an adult and having germophobia and not liking kid germs on stuff and everything like that, watching Bastion stuff that sandwich greedily into his mouth and like like suck on his fingers after he puts the last piece in (laughs) and then start flipping the pages again... All I could think of was, oh dear God, the old man has no idea. And and I put myself in the old man's shoes, like, if I was reading my book after I got it back from this little thief, I would just be... Oh. That's a really good point. No. That and he threw the book, so it's it's damaged. Yeah, he's, he's, he damaged it. He stole this damn book and just starts just destroying the thing. <laughs> it's not his property. Who cares? <laughs> kid. Bastion's a pretty terrible person right i mean we got we 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 hit that last episode pretty hard that book cover though is yeah yeah i just (laughs) i would if i got that book even as a kid i'd be like oh man this this, book is expensive the the medallion on the front holy cow protect Mm -hmm. this book with my life you don't start hurling it across floors honestly if i'm being completely honest i would have probably tried to remove the medallion on the front (laughs) try putting on a necklace as a kid because that medallion's pretty fucking sick. <laughs> and I, I call it a medallion because, you know, when he first gets the book, he doesn't know it's called the Orin. And to be honest, we would have never known that that was the Orin on the cover, but we see it in the movie. But in the book, they never, I guess, maybe they wrote out in the book what it looks like. But anyway, let's round this out with a little bit of the Childlike Empress. So, um, right after we decided we were going to to watch this, like, was that three weeks ago-ish? Something like that? I, uh, one of the, like, news articles pops up that I, that I get, and there it was a, a discussion with the actress who played Childlike Empress and how much she hated playing her. Not because of the filming or the actors that she was working with, but because of the rabid fans that she had afterward that would, like, camp out on her her front lawn oh, and no. wait for her to come outside. Oh, no. Oh, and these no. rabid fans were, like, middle-aged men. Yup. And her parents were not prepared to deal with them, with that at all. You gotta call the cops on that right away and shut that stuff down. Yeah. I remember hearing about this. 
That's the way to get someone never to get into acting again. Yep, and she didn't. Or in the case of Ducky's voice actress, Jealousy. She died. Her dad got jealous. What? Her dad got jealous and murdered her, like, right after Land Before Time came out. Yep, I don't like any of this. Nobody does. That's awful. Nobody likes that. I never even heard yeah, of that. Yeah, no, the dude went Yikes. insane and, and murdered her, and I think he did a murder-suicide for the whole family. Ugh. Yep, killed Ducky, killed, uh, killed Ducky's mom, and then... Uh, killed himself because of money. She was only 10. Yeah, Jesus. her father is an alcoholic and became increasingly angry and routinely threatened to kill himself because he was jealous of her fame. And then he was arrested three times for driving under the influence of alcohol, and then he repeated his threats and physical violence. And yeah, police found no physical signs of abuse, so they decided not to press charges. And then after that happened, it was July 28th, 1988. All three of them were found in a pair of murder-suicide. Awesome. Yup. No, I don't think you know what that word means. That's awful. It is. It really, yes. really is. And what's what's more awful, but I don't know if it's more fitting or what, but her final film was All Dogs Go to Heaven. God damn it. The old Don Bluth one, too. Can't have any happiness when it comes to a Don Bluth film. I was just going to mention that the childlike empress was really freaky to me as a kid. Like, I was scared of her. Yes, same That here. was the thing I was afraid of in this movie. <laughs> I would agree. Her and the wolf. I wonder if they decided to uh, keep her out of the movie until the very end because of that. Or just because she would be too ex machina. I don't know. She, For me, she, scre- she freaked me out as a kid because you have this movie with children who are mostly children. I mean, you could argue that Atreyu is trying to be an adult, but she was, like, the most adult of the children in the movie. Like, she had this air and pomp to her. I, I, I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I thought she was probably the best child actor in the film. I would agree with that. Because she was able to e- emote, and it was something that I'm like, okay, I, I can see the emotional struggle actually happening, whereas Atreyu losing Artex, it... It it looked like it was acting. Yeah, I would, Whereas I would agree. The Empress begging for her name. That looked like some serious shit. But what about the child who suspiciously looked like uh Chunk, the bully that chased Bastion into a garbage can? That's some that's some good acting. Really good acting. Yeah, good acting. Also wearing a very not United States style backpack. Yeah, that big boxy thing on his back. No one in the United States wears backpacks like that. What the? Come on, people. Anyway. It's fine. I have no deep, like, monologue for the childlike empress other than now when I I view it, I'm like, yeah, doing a good job in her role. And back then it was just like, I want this part over with. I don't like this part. I'm just too creeped out by her. Yep. (laughs) I just, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have anything to say about her part in general, however, I mean, she did she did a great job. I'm wondering if her doing a great job would have been different had she uh, had more time in the movie. Oh, Maybe I could see I mean, that. She was supposed things. to be the the Deus Ex Machina, like she was supposed to be the one to fix everything, but she mysteriously got ill for not having a name. And that all plays into like the whole blending of two worlds things as you're reading the book, and it gets closer and closer and closer. But she's dying because people are forgetting. So that makes sense. And if she's the core, like, the one thing that's keeping Fantasia alive, if she dies, Fantasia dies. That means that as soon as the nothing does whatever, if she's sick and dying, that's it for Fantasia. I mean, she's the core. Until she hands it off to... Uh, Bastion, which is weird. She basically goes, here's a bit of sand. Now you can wish for whatever you want, and the more wishes, the more cool Fantasia will be. And it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense, but that also sounds like she handed off the power of the Empress to Bastion. Now is Bastion the Empress? Yeah. Yes. And she, she's like, thankfully, I get to finally have rest. <laughs> These childlike bones are so brittle. <laughs> From carrying everyone else's problems. These used to be strong bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comparing her seeing the death of, you know, of the nothing coming for everyone is drastically different than 
the rock monster scene, the nothing, and them zooming in on the rock monster's face. And I'm like, yeah, movie, that was a bad idea. Yes, yes. <laughs> that rock monster has no expression. <laughs> they tried. He's a rock monster. They could have made him like they did in the photos from 2 and 3. But have you seen him actually in the movies of 2 and 3? Because No, because they refused to watch them. You would be very sad because he's a he's great in one and then not great except his emotionless face his stoic stone-like face in this movie actually i have no idea i can't remember anything about the other movie just learned recently that there's a third one so Hooray. so has your impression of this movie changed since seeing it as a kid and seeing it now as an adult in ways yeah yeah in ways it's not awful I remember things that I enjoyed. I remember things that I didn't enjoy. I enjoyed some things more than I remember and disliked things as well. So it's middling, I guess. That's a pretty good review coming from you, Dan. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate everything. <laughs> and is there anything that you see different about it? Um, You pick up on a little bit more of the nuance of the, uh, of the movie. I I still have deep, I feel what is deep, deep nostalgia for this movie. So I still loved every minute I was watching this movie. I'm fairly good at ignoring, using the suspension of disbelief, if you will, and be able to ignore all the crazy stuff, except for when Falcor was underneath the water and had to pick up the amulet and it just looked weird. For the most part, though, I can just, you know, ignore all, ignore the weird stuff and just really sit back and enjoy what they did well with the movie, which for me was almost everything. I really enjoy this mm-hmm. movie. I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did going back to it. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, you know, how about you, Joe? No, Andy, you're next. I was actually asking for Andy and then Ken spoke up. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say that, that it's interesting for me because I didn't expect to have the same kind of feeling where I, after watching it this go around, more so didn't care about the stuff outside of Fantasia. It's This has been an interesting one. I've had thoughts, I've had feelings about each movie as we've gone back and watched them, you know, depending on if I saw it like a year ago, if I saw it five years ago, whatever. But I saw NeverEnding Story like a couple dozen times as a child and then really only watched it again for the first time back in my 20s. And now here I am a decade or more later watching it again. And it has definitely taken on a different life form every time I see it, which is very interesting. It's like as a child, it was its own thing. But every time I go back and look at it now, it just becomes something different. So I, I enjoy this, and I can't wait to see what the next viewing brings. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was seeing this movie as the fantasy, the awe of a giant rock monster, of a fast racing snail, of a bat that you can use to fly with. There was a lot of big fantasy elements that I really ate up and I really latched onto. Like the idea of you just reading a story brings life to that story in some small way. I still cling to that and I like that idea very much and I tend to keep that in my head kind of and that to my detriment or benefit, I don't know, however you see it, in that if I write something, I tend to not like writing bad things because then I'm like, I'm doing these bad things to these people that I'm writing and that it doesn't help writing a good, doesn't help me write a good story. So I have in the end have to do the bad things to them so that they can have a good story arc and all that stuff. But yeah, it's just, I totally understand as a kid, how I enjoyed this film. And now as an adult, I have all my dirty adult knowledge of the world and experience (laughs) that helps me see this movie slightly different. And that is still enjoyable. I think it's way too short for me now. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. They they race through some stuff that I'm like, oh, come on, flesh that out. <laughs> but overall, I it's just enjoying it differently now. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that last bit. It's like after he falls off of uh, Luck Dragon and lands in, on the beach, like it's, it's pretty much over at that point. It's like everything up to that was so good and it's all of a sudden just, it, it sped up so quickly after that scene. So, does this movie still have what it takes, or is it just nostalgia? I feel like it weighs pretty heavy on the nostalgia side of things. 
I think for those interested in fantasy, I think it absolutely still holds up. Yep. For those not so much interested in fantasy, it is more so probably a nostalgic affair. Because mm-hmm. this is a damn good fantasy movie, in my opinion. I said it before. I, I, I don't know if it's the nostalgia or the fact that it's a good movie, but I, I, I enjoy the movie. I have no idea if it's the nostalgia. I'm guessing it's probably just nostalgia that's going <laughs> in there. If I had to take a wild guess. I'll, I'll say that, yeah, it's definitely a nostalgia for me that when I think about it, you know, it's like, ah, oh, I watch that again. It's it's not so much based upon, oh, that's a really good movie. It's, no, I I really am attached to that movie, so I'll I'll watch it again. And I think about it as, would I suggest it to someone who had no history of it? And I think I agree with what Andy said, that if it if the person's into fantasy, yeah, this would be definitely something I would suggest them to watch. If they're just, you know, want to see a good movie, I'd probably tell them that I like this movie. I don't know if you would. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not into fantasy, then you start seeing all the bad stuff even more. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean they're bad things, but I mean the things that are not as good as they could be. The things that take you out of the film. Yeah. So we kind of got like an even keel on uh, how we feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's middling from a cinematic standpoint. You have to be coming at it from two, either side. It's a movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can agree to that. But I like it. That's the nostalgia. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fine. <laughs> nostalgia is fine. So, that was us running from Gmorp and then grabbing a stone and stabbing him in the chest and saying, You're just nostalgia. You're just nostalgia. Really? <laughs> Drown in a swamp. Uh, and then find out that we were oh just my. watching Never Ending Story. <laughs> <laughs> and this time it was just the Fantasia portion, sort of. If you like what we're doing, please like, rate, review, comment, subscribe, and share so that we can grow the podcast. And then next time, we'll get into some 80s British sci-fi fantasy with time bandits so come back in two weeks where we rewind again i rented time bandits from the library uh the week before covid lockdown started so i got to keep it for like three months and i never watched it that time wow (laughs) so maybe it's about time i'm forced to watch a movie